Okay, we're back for the second half. We've, we've had the, well, we said quarter-time oranges, so I can't really recycle a joke and say half-time oranges now, can mm. I? Half-time of the footy's finished. They've finished talking to uh, whatever third-rate celebrity's plugging something, and uh, back, back to where the action is, so to speak. And Brett Kirk's just seen Batcha Hooley's cousin eating a falafel or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. I digress. Let's get back into it. Um, wasn't Kirky number 31 as well? He was. Well, we start off with question 31. Now, this is the sort of anti-Clinton Young. I've moved teams, but the team is better off for me leaving. Who am I? I think we've already touched on this. Quentin Lynch. Quentin team is better off for me leaving. Surely it's, that's Chris Dawes. One oh, one. sorry, yes. Chris Dawes. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Chris Dawes for Quentin. Qu- yes. Rewind. Yeah. Chris Dawes. Yeah, Chris Dawes. I mean, look, that, that was a heist of all heists. How they managed to get a first-round yep. pick for that Muppet yep. and get Quinton Lynch as well. Indeed. Yeah. Um, unbelievable. Collingwood's off-season. Yeah, exactly. They didn't Collingwood, Collingwood off-season greater than everyone else's off-season combined, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Um, and, yeah, Chris Dawes, yeah, no loss to, uh, no loss to Collingwood whatsoever. Yeah. They are richer for having lost him. The other honourable mention I would throw in is Kurt Tippett for obvious reasons. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they're better off. Adelaide are better off. That's the problem. I think they are. I think Adelaide are better off. They're richer for having lost him, maybe, but whether they're better off. (laughs) I reckon they are. I reckon it'll force Tex Walker to embrace his destiny. No. I just worry about... uh, Josh uh, Josh Jenkins is a guy that's really got to step up in the absence of Kurt Tippett. They gave him his number, which is a start, but now he's got to fill the shoes. Mm -hmm. And hopefully then not leave. Yes. For 800 grand. Okay, now this is probably the single biggest question that's being thrown around the probably the sporting world in Australia at the moment which is quite simply if Essendon are found guilty in the current peptide investigation now your question says what happens next I wonder whether it should read what should happen next <laughs> no I, I, what will happen next is what will and what should I think what will I think that there's two levels to that there's what are the AFL going to do and what are Asada going to do? The AFL will probably find him. Mm-hmm. Asada will throw the book at him. Asada will show absolutely no mercy. And as I understand it, well, uh, leagues don't have to officially um, take the recommendations of Asada, but they do in the... this instance because they're oh. getting money from them. Oh, do they? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Then that makes that point move. That's my understanding of the situation. Mm. Is just they had to make the AFL had to make changes to their anti-doping policy to fall in line with the. And that had to do with grants and money. And well, let me tell you though, if they're found guilty, there will be the scramble to end all scrambles going on, and it will have nothing to do with drug taking or punishments or what's right and fair. It will have everything to do with Andrew Demetrio somehow making sure that there are still nine AFL matches each weekend for mm. his beloved broadcast deal. Well, I can say as well, find out how good Brendan Goddard is. He might be out there by himself. Mm, yeah, him and a few rookies. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, no, yeah, it'd be an amazing story. Though. Mark Duffield wrote a very, very good article on this, well, which basically yeah. said... You didn't need to say a very, very good article when you said Mark yeah, Duffield. that's never right, yeah. bad articles. He basically <laughs> said the AFL always is always in control. The AFL always yeah. does its own things in-house with its own people so that Demetrio and the rest of the puppeteers can maintain control over anything and everything. Yeah. This is going to be the first time in a long, long, long time that someone else is just going to come in over the top and they are potentially going to have to lie back and take it. Yep, and he won't take that well. I can't say I don't 
don't really, really, really want to see that happen, but anyway, it would be pretty cool. Okay, 2013 Brownlow. I think we discussed the number of votes that would be required to win. Yep. This time we're after the name of the player scoring said number. Scott Pendlebury. He's around yeah. about the right age. He plays for a high-profile club that will win a lot of games, and he plays in a way that's very eye-catching. So he's polled, he's also historically polled very well. He was in and around the mark last year when he broke when he had his leg problems. Um, yeah. So look, I'm going to go the simple one, which everyone's jumped on board, but it still makes sense, and that's Nat Fife, just based on the way he polled last year in a limited number of games. Given the fact that Fremantle are definitely on the right and they're going to win a lot of games this season. I'll just throw that... Yeah. Throw that out there is. I think probably you have guys like Pavlich and Mundy will actually take votes off of him. Mundy's a similar see, type of player, and Mundy's a little bit more at the call face. I think Nat mm. Fife will get tagged a lot more. So, even, I mean, even somebody like Stephen Hill might take votes. But yeah, I mean, yeah, his polling record is. His polling record is great. The problem that he's got is his shoulders seem to be made of paper mache. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to think of anyone else, but no one else swings. Well, I mean, the, mind, other, really. the other one is, you know, can Cochin take his game? Cochin, mm. you know, Poll pretty well last year. Guys like Dangerfield. Um, there's a few around there. I mean, it's a midfielders award, so it's yeah. you're basically saying who do you think the all Australian midfielders are going to be because they're the guys who are going to be in contention mm. for the Brownlow. So I mean, it usually does have to be from a reasonably successful team as well. Though. Yeah, but oh, look, if I have to pick one, if I had to pick one, I'll probably go Gary Ablett just because I think of all the yeah of all the gun midfielders are all the non not. <laughs> non-successful clubs he's more a chance of just imposing his will on games and not having anyone else still votes I mean he, yeah, yeah he'll certainly get more notice it's just a matter of whether he can get enough three vote games to, to yeah. win an award that's that's the, that's that's the question mark with Ablett he's certainly of that level of quality yeah. but yeah so yeah I'll go with him the next one is who will be the big bolter this year now we, so we're talking a team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it's be a team. Carlton yeah. would be my uh, my my bet for obvious reasons that we discussed earlier. It's more a more a function of them underperforming last year mm. than overperforming this year. I think 20 episodes ago or so, I may have picked Carlton to make the top four. <laughs> yeah. So, so you might need to stick with that. I'll stick with that, but I also will say that Frio going from sixth or whatever to first this year could, could qualify as a bolter as well. Yeah, I mean there's there's degrees of baltiness in there. <laughs> Um, you know, is, is I, I would, I would argue. Usain? <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, that's the thing. I'd argue that going from sixth to the grand final, for instance, is actually harder than maybe going from you know not tenth or ninth to, to the top. You know, to say five or six. Mm. Yeah. Although we've seen, yeah, all those teams continually coming. Well, from that was right. I mean, I don't think so. we're going to see an Adelaide Crows. That's that's the seasonal bolt. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I did call the Crows last year. I did call North Melbourne as well, mm. but. I, I just don't see him. Don't, I, I can't see who it is. The, no. the sexy pick will be Brisbane, but no, Carlton. Maybe, I mean, well, maybe the, the peptide thing could unify Essendon and they could be an outside chance, but I, I just... It's, I'm, it's, it's too say, even it's kind, top, of, yeah. it's kind of Carlton or it's kind of Fremantle, depending yep. on how you how you want to deal with who's a, who's a mm. bolter and who's not. Yeah. Well, let's go from a team bolter to a individual then. Yep. I'll have a career-best season this year. So name that player. <coughs> I think, yeah, this is a... 
once again, you know, how, how you look at things like this, you, you're probably looking at somebody who's in their mid-20s, who's shown the ability to, to perform well in the past, but it's maybe been held back by something. The guy who's really impressed me from what little I've seen during the pre-season this year, somebody who I know is of that quality, I mean, he's kicked 10 goals in a game before, but I think that this is, if he can stay fit, which is always the challenge with him, I think this year's Josh Kennedy of the West Coast Eagles mm. this year. He he makes such a difference to the Eagles forward line when he's fit, and he's he's probably the he's probably the best mark of the football that the West Coast Eagles have ever had. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm I well. The guy who I comes to mind for me, and this is a bit tough because he has had a number of good years, but it would be Josh Kennedy from Sydney, <laughs> purely because I think towards the, the second half of last season, he kicked his game up another le- level. He went from a sort of premium oh, midfielder to... We kind of, he, he started white hot, he tapered off a mm. bit, and then he came back again towards the end. Yeah. Um, but, but I just think of, yeah, of all the guys in those sort of top teams, so like Sewell, Mitchell, Dangerfield, Thompson, Swan, Pendlebury, those sorts of guys. I reckon, yeah, Josh Kennedy could be the one to actually, yeah, to make that step up to being one of the absolute, you know, top five players in the comp this year. Yeah, um, I'm just, I, as I say, I view that as I'm going to play at the highest level of my career right now during 2013. Um, so that's that's kind of how I how I think about it. So I think, for, yeah, well, so we've both gone with Josh Kennedy. Mm, so. Yeah. <laughs> And the other obvious one is Ryan Schoenmakers because surely he couldn't get any worse. Well, it comes back to how you view their career to this particular point in time, doesn't it? A shit stain upon the legacy of a great Hawthorne team. <laughs> Look, let's move on. Yeah. Um, which, comment readily, which comment readily made by AFL quote-unquote experts annoys you the most? <laughs> Can we? Does it have to just be one? No. Oh, um, for me, it's the way that words like elite, star, and superstar get thrown around a little bit too easily for my liking. I'd like to sit down with Dwayne Russell in particular. First, we punch him in the head several hundred times, then actually ask him how many stars are in the AFL because the way he bandies that word around, it, it must be like three quarters of the league. Mm. I've got a similar one. It's not so much a comment, but I think I've, I've actually spoken about this before, and that is just simply that no commentators are ever, ever allowed to refer to a player by their nickname. It happens yeah. all the time. The Steve, the, Stevie J is yeah. probably the worst example the, the of that. The Davey Warner syndrome. Yeah, but there are so many examples of it. Players who are just continuously, time after time after time by the commentators, yeah, referred to um, by their nickname. Mm. Just cut that out. Yeah. That would be my one. Because Dennis Cometti doesn't do it. I will tell you that much. Yes. Okay, well, this is shades of my Josh Kennedy response from a couple of questions ago. Which established player are you expecting to take it to another level this year? <laughs> Which I think is pretty much exactly what I described Josh Kennedy doing. So you're going to double uh, up on that one? Why don't you... Give your response and I'll frantically try and come up some, with something. <laughs> some people make you the laugh track here, but given where his career is at, I'm going to go with Jack Watts. Actually, yes, that is a good one. Um, yeah. I think Neil actually understands how to use Jack Watts, which is to use kind of use him as that floating halfback slash wing type player. I, I mean, look, I, he's very maligned. I mean, it's not his fault that Melbourne didn't pick Nat Nui over him, mm. but he 
he if you if you take him in isolation as Jack Watts football or not, Jack Watts number one picked before Nick Matanui, yeah. he's actually there's a lot there to work with. He's a good height, he runs well, he's got pretty good hands, and he's actually a, a good user of the ball and a good decision maker. Yeah. So I think that as Melbourne, you know, I think that Melbourne will improve a little bit this year, and I think that he him in particular will be will be one of the reasons why that happens. So yeah. I'm going to cheat somewhat, and I'm just going to throw out two players who've switched clubs. Um, one who's gone from Melbourne, which is Brent Maloney, and the other one who's gone to Melbourne, which is Shannon Burns. Because I expect, yeah, that the impact of changing clubs for those two guys um, mm. to um, well, yeah, spur I mean, them into a greater level of um, yeah. I mean, Maloney, Maloney yeah. was yeah. Whether there's an, a, another level compared to last year, definitely that's true. Mm. I mean, uh, but I mean, the year before that, he was Melbourne's best and fairest. So he has played at a pretty high level before. Yeah. So um, I think yeah, he's one that will it'll definitely do him uh, a lot of good changing clubs. So yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just I've just got a feeling that Jack, this is going to be a good year for Jack Watts. Fair enough. Okay, to a WA based question, simply, and this will be a quick one, I think. Who will win more games this year, Fremantle or West Coast? For Fremantle. me, it's Fremantle. Yeah. Yeah, I've taken I've taken Fremantle to probably win two more than the Eagles. Yeah. I've I know the Eagles pretty well, um, not personally, but from watching them over the years, I've I see them being probably fourteen and eight this year. I could see Fremantle being you know fifteen and seven or sixteen or sixteen and six, and I think that the um, that will be the um, that should be enough for Freo to finish in the top four. The Eagles may be just on the out. I, I expect the Eagles to be on the outside looking in, much like last year, potentially finishing fifth home final first week, yep. getting to to feast on a bottom feeder. The love for the Eagles worries me a little bit. I think that they still haven't really fixed their their major deficiency, which is outside outside midfield run. And I also just worry that their their interior midfield is too Daniel Kerr and Nick Natanui dependent. Mm, both guys who are struggling with injury before the season. That's starts, right. The yeah. fact that neither of them have played in a preseason game mm. heading into round one is generally not a good sign. Yeah. Um, I think that I mean for the for the Eagles to win a premiership, Nick Natanui's got to play out of his skin throughout the entire final series, and I just don't think that he's he's there. He's not a, a big game player. performer yet. No. Oh, he he played. He has played well in big games. I don't think that that's the thing. I just think that he's the the, the challenge that he's had is is that he still doesn't always play the best on the road. Hmm. So, yeah. but I mean, look, he's still young and he's still developing. So, but I just think that Fremantle have got a better balance to their team. Yep, agreed. And they've got a great coach. Okay, so yet again we can probably tie this back to a few previous answers. It's which player will be the best recruit this year? Um, so I think we've mentioned... Well, maybe let's just rattle off the ones we've mentioned already. So names well, you like said Lewis Maloney. Stevenson, um, Maloney and Maloney, Shannon Burns. I mean, Maloney for the cost, Quinton Lynch for the cost. I mean, the obvious name's Brendan Goddard. Um, I, the, the, the question mark slash caveat I have on Goddard is I'm not exactly... To this day, I know the, the guy can play. I'm just not sure exactly what his best position is. Um, so I think if Goddard plays in the midfield, it will be him. If they they play Goddard back behind the ball, which I doubt because that's kind of the role that all hype tends to play. Mm. Um, probably not so much. So, yeah. but I think Lynch is Lynch is big for Collingwood structure. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of the. That I think him and Maloney as a secondary person there, they'll they'll be the best value for money 
recruits. All right. The other name I might throw out is just Greg Broughton as well. Yeah, that's an under an undervalued yeah. one. There's, he's there's another some... one with the potential to... Yeah, I mean, he's... Yeah, I mean, he fell out of favour with Ross Lyon yeah. for some reason, but Broughton yeah. is a... He can play as an attacking player, but he's also a very good shutdown player, and yeah. um, he certainly gave Freeman a good service, and I think that he'll be uh, he'll be definitely a, um, a good pick-up for Gold Coast. Yeah. Okay, so after comparing one set of round one teams who are playing against each other in round one in the yes. derby, let's go to probably the toughest game to tip in round one, which is the Melbourne v Port Adelaide lock-in at the G. <laughs> Who will win more games this year of those two? I'm going to go Port Adelaide purely because I think they're more of a chance to jag a few wins at home. Yep, seconded. Cool. <laughs> Next question. No, look, I think Port are a little bit further down the development mm. uh, cycle than Melbourne are. Uh, they, they be, they've actually been pretty decent in the pre-season as well, but um, I think Port Port have more assets right now than Melbourne do. Mm. So um, Port's midfield can compete with every other midfield now. I still have question marks about whether Melbourne can do it. Yeah. Alrighty. Now, this one has just got... I had 60 hit-outs on the weekend. Jeez. Where am I? Now, given that you wrote the question, I'd hope that you did research and find that someone actually did have 60 hit-outs on the weekend. There aren't too many people that have the potential for 60 hit-outs, which is kind of the point, I think. I can really only think of two guys who would ruck enough in the middle of the ground to, to have the opportunity to do that. From memory, the guy, if he hasn't already done it, that's come the closest is Todd Goldstein. Um, he's been out injured. But he's been injured. The other guy who I think has 60 hit-out potential is Sam Jacobs. So, given the way that Adelaide play, I'd probably lean towards Jacobs. With the Smokey being Shane Mumford. That was who I was thinking. Also due to the fact that Sydney would generate a lot of stoppages. That's the reason why I think Mumford yeah. would do it. But I think that you'll find that Mike Pike might start to take on a little bit more of a, uh, a lead ruck role and Mumford may spend more time up forward. Okay, fair enough. Okay, the Gold Coast CEO believes that they will win a flag within three years. Do you believe him. No, and I'd like to know the name of his dealer. <laughs> I, I no, just think a, it's him. a bit too soon. It's too <laughs> soon. If he said five years, mm. it would be more plausible. Um, the rea- the reason why he said three years to give a little bit more context is that's when Gary Ablett's contract expires. Mm. So I just think, yeah, the historically what you found is is that the the clubs that are winning premierships, their their guts or their core are in that eighty to a hundred game zone. Mm. So. It's three years Three years from now Gold Coast have been in there for five years The way that they've rotated players mm. They're going to be getting towards that mark But I just think that they'll, the growing pains Will be a bit too steep And they have a good midfield now Whether they can keep them all is one question But their, their spine is the thing that you really need to develop To win a premiership That takes a bit longer Just look at Carlson for proof of that And I just don't think they'll be there then Fair enough Look, I'll offer an alternative which is rather than saying we'll win a flag in three years, it's that in five years we'll win three in a row. Mm. I'll throw that out there instead. Okay, the next hypothetical yes. is a midfielder who has 30 possessions and kicked four goals on the weekend. I'm going to let you name one so that I preclude one because there's a few that this potential potentially do this. Yeah, well, I mean, but Patrick Dangerfield can usually be relied yep. upon to bob up with a few goals, so yep. he'd be he'd be one who I'd throw in there. Well, he was the name I originally locked. 
Well, not I originally logged in. He's a name I'd logged in. Patrick Dangerfield is an obvious, definite one for me. Another one potentially is Tom Rockcliffe, purely because yes. he has that possession-winning ability, but he also does spend time up forward as well. There's a couple of guys who, who genuinely you'd be surprised to bob up and do stuff like this. I mean, Dane Swan's been spending no, more time up forward, so you could say that he's somebody... The possessions won't ever be any shoots whether he can get the four goals. Yeah. Um, another one who, who might surprise you, it would be against a very, very poor team, but who has done this in the past, Luke Shuey from the yeah. West Coast Eagles. Mm. So, the other name I will throw out, purely because I think he will spend more time forward this year, would be Chris Judd. Yes. Because I think he will potentially play in the forward line a lot more. Yeah, so. I, I, and of course, Gary Abbott. We can't yeah. forget Gaza. Much as we may want to. Yeah. All right, we're pulling into the final stretch of the Premiership quarter here. And it's probably fitting that we now ask a question about the two teams who are the furthest away from winning a premiership this season. So, uh, it is, well, Melbourne and... Um... Oh, I'll give you a clue. <laughs> they both start with G and it's oh, not long. Okay. <laughs> so. so it's who will win more games this year. Expansion team number one or expansion team number two? I'm expecting them both to be around the same, but probably Gold Coast... <laughs> And I think given that they play each other twice, yeah. and given that after losing the first um, meeting between the two sides, Gold Coast will be pretty bloody keen to ensure that doesn't happen again, yeah. as long as they've got that well, edge over them. The thing is, you if you step back and look at their games while well, she Gold Coast were very competitive in, at Metricon in most of their games. Beat Richmond, probably, beat Carlton. Probably a couple. They had probably a couple of games that with a bit more knowledge and experience. I remember Essendon. I remember Fremantle, and I also remember St Kilda. They've been well and truly in mm, those yep. games as well, and even Geelong to a certain extent. Yep. They were in that game too. I think with a bit more knowledge, a bit more experience, as you say, bringing in somebody like Broughton can only help that. They also got Tom Murphy from memory. Yes. Um, guys like that can only make them better. And I just think the GWS, there's elements of, you know, the second year Blues could well strike with, with some of their players. It was easier for them to get under the radar mm. last year. But now that teams have seen a bit more of, you know, the Toby Greens and the Dylan Shields of the world, that um, as a result, it might might be tougher for them to, to push through. I think the Greater Western Sydney are in a, in a better position premiership-wise, medium to longer term than Gold Coast, but I think that they are still behind them in the development cycle, and that's what we would see this year. Plus, you know Ablett's probably going to be good for a game or two off his own bat. So. Okay, so the final question for the third quarter is which coach is the most likely to get shit-canned during this season? Well, first of all, you have to consider if you think any are going to. Mm. Um, I would have thought that Brad Scott was potentially on shaky ground if uh, North hadn't re-signed him recently. So that mm. kind of eliminates him because we know North have no money. So, Well, given that Port and Melbourne have pretty much committed to their new coaches yeah, now, there's, you there's can't, only if, you can't I mean, really include any of the teams down the bottom of the ladder. From every, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Hardwick's out of contract, I believe. We know Sheedy's leaving at the end of the year. Mm. Um, we know that Worsfold's um, in the last year of his contract as well, but he will probably never get fired. Mm. Voss is in the last year of his contract, I believe, and I think Hardwick, oh, not Hardwick, sorry, Clarkson might be in the same boat at Hawthorne as well. Mm. So None of them will get fired, though. You wouldn't think that any of those, I mean, maybe Hardwick could be in some trouble if Richmond 
Richmond don't happen up and around the the top eight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't know if Walsfold will want to continue as a coach. I think he may look to take on another role at the Eagles in the future, but I doubt that that would happen during the season. Um, so I mean, my my gut feel is yeah. is I think that they're all going to be pretty yeah. safe. But yeah. as we say, we know that Cameron's coming in at GWS. The the only one who may sit outside of that, I guess, is McKenna if yeah. GWS go in the tank. So yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think we'll close off this third quarter then with my hypothetical response to that question and we can just imagine a world where it would happen. It would be Mick Malthouse getting fired during the season. Yeah, yeah, that'll be. So I think GJ and I are going to take a few minutes to mull that over in the old noggin and just enjoy that <laughs> that uh, uh, scenario. You have to slow, but the ox is patient, Dan. True that. Yeah. <laughs> Ten, well, fifteen years on, I still don't know what he's talking about. But it matters not. Yes. Grasshopper. So anyway, the third quarter time siren's just gone, so we better go and... Uh, Back to the rooms for one last changeover, and yep. then we'll join you for the final quarter. 